Psalm chapter 99. Let's go ahead and read the whole chapter. It says, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the people. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. Moses and Aaron among His priests, and Samuel among them that call upon His name, they called upon the Lord, and He answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept His testimonies and the ordinance that He gave them. Thou answeredst them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though Thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. So the title of tonight's message is Thy Great and Terrible Name. So you all know this passage. I actually just read part of it in my message Sunday night. Uh, that was our uh, verses one through three was our monthly memory verse a while back. So if you're if this is all fresh in your mind, I didn't just preach on this chapter before, and I'm not doing a repeat. It's just uh, we've been covering that that verse a lot. But some interesting facts I want to point out about this chapter before we get to the main point of it. First off, just kind of an interesting thing: God is mentioned as being holy three times in this passage. In verse three. It says, let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. In verse 5, exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. Verse 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. So notice you see that three times God mentions being holy. That kind of reminds me of Isaiah where you have the seraphim singing holy, holy, holy. The thrice Holy God is often referred to as. Why? Because there is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in the Godhead, and all three of them are holy. And so, I think, you know, coincidence? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. You know, nothing's by accident with God. But notice how it says, you know, His, His great and terrible name. Okay? Now, today, when we use the word terrible, uh, that's not always a good thing, you know. If you talk about our our God is terrible and our God has his, uh, his name is terrible, people kind of get the wrong idea about that. You know, we uh, how many of you ever told your kids they were terrible before? All right, yeah, and uh, and there's a reason for that. And uh, I'm not saying it's not inappropriate, but I you know I think our the, that word terrible, you know, there's another word you can kind of see in there like terror, right? And we see our God is a God to be feared. We're going to look at several passages on that in a minute. But I want to, let me point out a couple more things before we get into that. Notice also that Moses, Aaron, and Samuel are all mentioned as calling on God in this passage. Which I believe uh, it mentions them in verse 2. It says, The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the people. Verse 6 Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them, that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar, they kept his testimonies, and the ordinances that he gave them. Alright, so why are these men mentioned? Why are Moses, Aaron, and Samuel mentioned? Well, it mentions them because it mentions how God is high above all the people. And so what I think he's doing right here, he takes three men 
that were highly revered. I mean, there was nobody that the Jews revered more than men like Moses. And Moses, Aaron, and Samuel, these were all men that they put in just very high esteem. And right here, the psalmist is just trying to say, hey, you know what? God is above them. He is above every one of them. In fact, they called on the Lord. They understood that they were inferior to God. And you know, and we all get this. We all understand that God beats any man. But I think this is just something here. He's just trying to, to get that point across. Because you know what? There's a lot of people in a lot of the world today that they do. They put certain men in God-like status, don't they? I mean, look at the way some people act around the Pope. I mean, there's no doubt that there's people that worship that man and revere him at a level where we should only be revering God. And so what he's doing right here, I think that when he mentions these men, he's taking three men that they just highly esteemed, that they highly respected, and saying, hey, you know these guys like Moses and Aaron and Samuel, people that we all look up to, people I revere, they called on the Lord. They were dependent on God. And so... Our God is high above all the people. We should never put any man above God. And I know that's easy to say. You think people don't do that, but they do that. Okay, People do put man above God. We see all the time how people put man's Word above God's Word. I mean, we see people on a regular basis. What do they like to do? They like to get up and they'll preach a sermon and they will refute the Word of God or they will correct the Word of God with a Greek or Hebrew dictionary. Or like Bill Grady does with Schofield's notes. I mean, they'll take the notes of a guy like Schofield and they will, you know, contradict what the Bible has to say. You know, we shouldn't put men in that high esteem. But people do that. They put the guys like, you know, C.I. Schofield, Clarence Larkin, John Nelson Darby above God Himself and above His Word. And that's pretty sad. But anyway, so God is mentioned as having a terrible name in this passage. I want us to focus tonight on why God's name is terrible. Because this is something that we need to get. And I know this you all are used to this here. I think you all have a lot of this down. But maybe tonight I can give you some more ammo on this. Because what I'm going to share with you tonight, what I'm going to be showing you tonight from the Scriptures, this is not the mindset of most people today. Most people today, when they think of God, there's this new attitude that's out there. It's like an attitude that God is not somebody to be feared. You know, don't worry, God's not mad at you. You know, you know, they everybody's got this hippie, you know, version of Jesus that they believe in. And I see it all the time where, you know, people they'll often, you know, you know, email me or they'll leave comments on YouTube. And they'll talk about how you know not very Christ-like and things like that, or other pastors not very Christ-like, and that we don't act like Jesus because they th- they think we're always supposed to be all just meek and mild and calm, even though it's clear if you actually read the Bible that Jesus wasn't always calm. Jesus often got really mad. Why? But where do they get this from? It's like where do people get this attitude from? From watching television, from watching Jesus in the movies from watching some long-haired, effeminate guy act like Jesus. I've been making these videos, you know, too, just kind of exposing some of these effeminate preachers that are out there that just make me sick. And people want to talk about how they're Christ-like and we're not. It's like, 
Where did you get the idea that being Christ-like is being effeminate? There's no way. There's no way that Jesus was effeminate like some of these guys are. You know, prancing around in their soft clothing and skinny jeans and stuff like that. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't act like that. And He didn't talk like that. He was a man. There is no doubt about that. And then, But people do. They'll just say these things because the world and false religions, Hollywood, they have put a distorted picture of Jesus or of God in our minds. And if we're not careful, if we're not in our Bible regularly, if we're not hearing the right kind of preaching, we can let this stuff rub off on us. It is amazing the things that are often said in churches and things that people will just repeat and run with, just just not even thinking about it. Because, you know, it is, you know, for some people, you know, just if I if I mention Jesus, okay, be honest. Do you picture him with long hair? Have you ever read a story in the Bible and when reading that story, you're picturing with long hair, wearing a white robe? Alright, where do you get that from? Okay? It's it's because you saw the movie. Alright? And just trust me, it's there. You say, no, I'm not like that. Yeah, he is. You all think Moses looks like Charlton Heston, alright? How many of you, when you read the stories of Moses, you see Charlton Heston? Alright? We all do. Alright? It's, it's, it's there. It's in our head. And we've got to watch out for that stuff. Otherwise, we'll end up going along and, you know, and I don't think we'll even fall for this most of the time, but you know what? We need to learn to have a biblical mindset to the point that when we hear something false, you know, it, it registers right away. Okay, a lot of times we hear things at, that are just stupid. All right? Like I mentioned the thing the other night in church, you know, you'll never look into the eyes of someone that God doesn't love. Okay, now, it, when you first hear that, you know, you're like, yeah, yeah that's, that's nice, that's good. But have you ever heard something like that? And at first it seemed fine, but then later you got to think about it and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, that's not right. Okay? I've been there many times where you'll hear something and it's like, you know, well, I wasn't thinking right there, you know, because when people say stuff like that, you know, you ought to nicely rebuke them or correct them because that we don't, we don't want to help spread things about God that are false. So we need, one thing we need to understand about God is our God is someone to be feared. And it's amazing how many people today, it's like they know there's a million verses in the Bible about fearing God. We're going to look at a bunch of these verses, but yet nobody ever talks about why we should fear God. Okay, and One of the reasons we should fear God is because there is a hell. Okay? There is a hell that God is actually going to throw people into. Okay? Me and Aaron, we talked to that lady the other day where she was saying how she believes everybody's going to end up in heaven. In the end, just grace is going to win or something like that and everybody's going to end up in heaven. That's wrong. Okay, If that's the case, then why would we need to fear God? We need to fear God because there is a hell. We need to fear God because God does chasten. God does punish. God does pour out His wrath. Let's look at some verses. I, I just want to read several of these verses just to kind of get this in your head. Our God is a God to be feared. Look, it says in Leviticus 19, verse 14. You don't have to turn to all these. I'm going to go a bunch of places. It says, Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear the Lord thy God. 
I am the Lord. Y'all see that? It says, you know, we shouldn't curse the deaf, alright? There's people out there that are sick. They might think it would be funny to go to a deaf person and just start saying terrible things to them because they can't hear what I'm saying. You know what? That's wicked if you do something like that. Now, I do that kind of thing to my cats all the time because they can't understand, but there's a difference between cat and someone who's hearing impaired, alright? I, I tell my cats daily how much I hate them and want them to die. And they just stare at me with that stupid look on their face. And I just just today, I told my cats that. You know, I was like, you know, why have you not died yet? Alright? And it's funny, because they, they can't understand. My parents' last dog that they had was the dumbest dog that ever lived. And I wanted that dog to die. Every time I see it, it's like, Cagney, why have you not died yet? You know? And that I would tell that dog the most terrible things, and it would get so excited. That dog loved me. And I never would pet it. I would never pet that dog, but I would always talk to it. And I would tell it the most hateful things. Uh, and I would, I would say, you get, I'd tell how ugly it is. They'd give it a haircut, you know, and it would just, it would make it even uglier. And I'd tell Cagney, I didn't think it was possible you could get any uglier than you already are. Can you please drop dead? And they'd just sit there all excited. Okay? Now, I think that's okay to do to a dog and a cat, but you know what? If I was to be standing there, and there's a deaf person around, and I just start saying something. You know, that's that's wrong. And you say, well, that's not hurting them. Yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I'm supposed to fear the Lord thy God. God knows what I'm saying to him. Or put a stumbling block before the blind. Yeah, that's cruel right there. You know, because part of the reason that's so cruel is because you know how easy that would be to get away with that. He can't see what you're doing. You're some guy out walking the street, you know, with a cane or something, and he's he's blind, and you were to go and trip him, you know, just because it would be easy. See, that's the kind of stuff that just makes me sick too. Like I hate petty thieves. I I, I can't stand petty thieves. People who will just steal something. Why? Because it's easy. You know what? People like that. They're the ones that make the world a more difficult place. I'm sick of going to Walmart, and I want to. I want to look at some headphones. I want to buy some, you know, headphones, and I got to go and I, I have to have a worker unlock the thing. Why? I guess because those things are easy to steal or something. So now I've got these extra security because some low life stole headphones. All right, stealing's always wrong, but it's not like you're stealing something to help you survive. You're stealing headphones, real, and it's that kind of thing. Is just wicked, alright? Kids, you know, stealing from your brothers and sisters, that's easy. But you know what? You don't do stuff that's easy to get away with because you're supposed to fear God. He sees what you're doing, He knows what's going on. And so I think one of the reasons He's talking about this here too, you know, because it's not just because if you trip the blind guy, he might get hurt. Okay? Because think about it the deaf guy, he's not going to get hurt at all. Why is God mentioning these two things? You know why? Because these things are super easy to get away with. And you kids, you know, you kids are homeschooled. It's easy to cheat on your schoolwork a lot of times at home. You know, parents, they don't lock up the answer keys and things like that. It's easy to do that kind of thing. But when you would take advantage of that situation because it's easy and do that, that is wicked. And you need to fear your God. And say, you know what? Yeah, I could easily get away with this right now, but I'm not going to do it because 
I have a fear of God. Leviticus 19.32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. Okay? The, the hoary head, the white head, that elderly person. You know what you do? You show respect to them. Why? Because you fear God. I mean, that old person, they can't take you anymore. They don't have that strength. You know how many people there are that are out there that will take advantage of that elderly person? You know how many thugs there are that are out there? They'll go take that purse from that old lady that can't fight back? You know what? The Bible says we ought to respect them. Why do I need to respect them? You know, I could take them in a fight. You know why? You do because, yes, you could easily take advantage of them, but you're not going to do it. You know why? Because while you don't need to fear them, there's nothing that they can do to you. There is a God that can do something to you. And so you need to fear God. Leviticus 25.17 You shall not therefore oppress one another, but thou shalt fear thy God, for I am the Lord your God. Sometimes it's easy to take advantage of somebody. But we're not going to do it because we fear God. Deuteronomy 6.1 Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Why do we keep the commandments? Because we believe God can give us longer days. He'll help us live longer. And we fear Him. Meaning, if He can give us longer days, He can shorten our days too. And we believe that. That's why, kids, you need to honor your father and your mother. Why? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You ought to honor your father and mother, not because you're scared of them anymore. When kids are little, they're scared of your parents, their parents. But you know what? Once your kid turns 18, they don't have to listen to them. The laws of this land will not force them to do that. You know, there's going to come a day where my boys, they'll be able to take me. That day is not yet. Alright? But that day, you know, they probably think they could. Yeah, that, but that, that day is going to come. But you know what? They should never, ever try. Why? Not because they fear me, because they fear God. Because they fear God. Understanding that, you know what? I can take Dad now. He used to do that threat, you know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of the world, but you know, he can't take me out of the world now. I got the strength to take him out of the world, but you know what? They fear God, knowing that, well, maybe Dad can't do it anymore. God can't take me out of the world. So I'm, I'm going to fear God. Deuteronomy 6.13 Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. Verse 24 And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. Deuteronomy 8.6 Therefore thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. Deuteronomy 10.12 And now Israel... What doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all His ways and to love Him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Verse 20, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, Him shalt thou serve, and to Him shalt thou cleave and swear by His name. Alright, does anybody have any doubt about whether or not we should fear God? Our God is a God to be feared. So uh, this is all Old Testament. We're in the New Testament dispensation and therefore we don't need to fear God anymore. Now it's just all, you know, peace, love and, you know, kittens and bunny rabbits and things like that. You know, we never have to worry about anything bad. Wrong. We'll get to the New Testament. All right, let's look at a few more just for fun. 
Deuteronomy 13.4, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and ye shall serve Him and cleave unto Him. Deuteronomy 14.23, And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which He shall choose to place His name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, thine oil, and the firstling of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. You know one thing you don't see hardly at all in the Bible? You do see it sometimes, but it's pretty rare is the motivation is is a motivation for obeying the laws of God because his ways are better and because his ways are best. Now it is there. You can find examples in the Bible where it just teaches God's ways are better. You know, there are verses like the law of the Lord is perfect. There there are those things, but you realize you don't see a whole lot of motivation in the Bible for obeying the word of God because just by the fact that it works. You know what the main motivation is that it teaches? It's fear. Do it out of fear. That's what, I mean, over and over again, that is mentioned. Uh, Deuteronomy 25.28 If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. Um. Joshua 4.24, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua 24.14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Hey, Joshua, he's using fear to motivate them. Hey, fear God and get rid of those other gods. If you actually fear God, you're not going to have an idol in your house. Okay? You can put an idol in your house and nobody else might know about it. You could hide it somewhere and the leadership might not ever find it. But you know what? Get rid of it because you fear God. And see, that's the thing that we need. We need to have a healthy fear of God. We shouldn't have to enforce everything. I remember when I taught at the Christian school at Lighthouse, one of the things that I used to tell these kids there, you know, it was an AC school, and I said, listen, you're not accomplishing anything if you cheat. In this school, it is no great accomplishment. It is not that hard to do. But this is a Christian school. We are assuming that you kids are saved and that you believe in God. And because of that, you know that it is wrong to cheat and you know that God sees what you're doing. And if that doesn't motivate you, to stop doing these things. And we've got a huge problem. And you know, we shouldn't have to take these massive precautions. We shouldn't, you know, at home, you shouldn't have to put these things under lock and key. When you have to do that, that's a sign that you have wicked, rebellious kids that do not fear God. You know why Walmart's got a metal detector when you're walking out of the place? Because they are they they believe our society is wicked. And that there are thieves. And you know what? They are right. And you know why many of us lock our house? Because we believe our society is wicked. And that there's bad people out there. And you know what? Unfortunately, we're right. But we shouldn't need those things. We shouldn't need those things. A fear of God ought to be enough for anybody, but especially saved people. And it's amazing the way some pastors, too, in their churches, the way they got to manipulate and the way they've got to uh, try to enforce things. You know, why can't people just do the right thing out of a fear of God? And you know why? It's because they don't fear God. 
And that's too bad. That's too bad. That's, that is sad. Psalms 2.11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 99, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 22.23, Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify Him and fear Him. All ye the seed of Israel. Uh, Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him and upon them that hope in His mercy. I like that verse right there because so, you know, the eye of the Lord is on them that fear Him. Okay? And them that hope in His mercy. See, while I fear God, okay, while I fear God at the same time, I'm not necessarily always, you know, I'm not just sitting in a corner all the time shivering. Why? Because I do know that our God is merciful too. And I have the hope that He will be, that He will be merciful. And thank God He is very merciful. Thank God for that. But I should still fear Him. And you know, I could go on and on with these verses. I'm not, I'm not even going to do all of them. There's so many. I'll do a couple from Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think that's an important one right there. Because you know how many people they don't obey the Bible? Because a lot of times you know, you know, people make this excuse, well, I haven't been convicted of it yet. Right? I'm not I'm you know I'm not convinced or whatever. But you know what? If we fear God, you know, if we if we just obey things out of fear, the Bible says that's the beginning of wisdom. Okay? The rules that you have in your home that you have for your little kids. The kid, right now, okay, Lana, she's four. Many of the rules that we have for her. She is only motivated to keep them by fear. We tell her a lot, if you do that, you're going to get a spanking. And so she fears the spanking, so she doesn't do those things. Okay? She's not old enough to understand yet, but you know what? If she at least has that fear, that's the beginning of wisdom. She's doing the right thing. She's going to keep herself from a lot of harm. And you know what? Eventually, she will learn. Eventually, she will have full understanding, but right now... Fear's enough. If she's obeying just out of fear, she's going to benefit from that. And if we obey the Word of God just out of fear, then we're going to we'll benefit from it. We will reap all the benefits of being obedient just by obeying out of fear even though we don't have knowledge. I believe we'll eventually get it, but that is the, that is the main motivation. You say, so all, so all this stuff has been Old Testament. Well, let's read a few New Testament scriptures, too, because I believe we're still supposed to fear God. So, you know, Pastor Trendy today, he wants to just make Jesus seem like this, you know, warm, cuddly, you know, bunny rabbit that would just never hurt anybody. Would never hurt anybody. It's like he's never read about the Battle of Armageddon, where he's treading out the wine press in the fierceness of his wrath. When the blood is flowing up to the horse's bridles. For out of his mouth is going a sharp two-edged sword. Now I don't think his eyes are like a flame of fire just because he's got red eyes or something like that. I think it's because he's angry. He's mad. You know, but they wouldn't have you think Jesus is ever like that. But Acts 9.31 
says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and were multiplied. We see the church was still fearing God. Even in the New Testament, even in the book of Acts. Second Corinthians 5, 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in His body according to that done, whether it be good or bad. Oh, that's going to be a piece of cake when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? I mean, that's just going to be all hugs and well-dones and you're just great. Right? Is that what it is? Well, I don't know because verse 11 says, "...knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. I trust also are made manifest in your consciences." Say, hey, one of the ways we're motivating you all is knowing the terror of the Lord. Why? Because He is a terrible God. He is a God to be feared. He has a great and terrible name. Revelation 15.4 says, "...who shall not fear Thee, O Lord, and glorify Thy name? For Thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before Thee, for Thy judgments are made manifest." Who shall not fear Thee? I, I think that when it says, "...who shall not fear Thee?" It's, I think the answer is clear. There's nobody that should not fear you. All should fear God. And why? Why should we be so scared of God? Why should we fear God? Well, it tells us in Psalm 99, for He is holy. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. See, this is what's getting these guys in trouble that are teaching this garbage about, you know, you don't need to fear God, you know, God's not mad at you, all that kind of foolishness. No, the thing, the reason that's garbage, the reason that's foolishness is because of the fact it takes away from how holy God is and it causes us to forget just how sinful we are. See, the reason our God is to be feared is because He is holy. And a holy God cannot let sin go unpunished. Okay? A holy God cannot do that. Unfortunately, while that lady probably felt really good telling us that I just believe everybody's going to end up in heaven, no, that can't, that can't be. Some people are going to have to go to hell. You know why? Because God is holy. I'm sorry, but those who do not believe in Christ, they're going to have to go to hell. Why? Because God is holy. I think He should just let everybody in. That's cruel. I'm sorry you think it's cruel, but you know what? It's not. A holy God can't just let anybody into heaven because sin has to be dealt with. And Jesus, thankfully, He came and He dealt with our sins on the cross, but unfortunately, the only people that get to enjoy the benefits of that are those who believe on Him. God said the only ones that are going to receive the benefits of that are those who believe on Him. If we do not believe on Him, we will not receive that forgiveness. We will not get the benefits of the blood of Christ. And you say, well, I don't like that. Well, you know why you don't like it? It's because you're not holy. You don't like that because you're sinful. But a holy God has to deal with sin. He's got to punish sin. And the sin that the holy God came up with is eternity and hell. So I don't like that either. I think that's excessive. Well, that's because you're not holy. Okay? You are not holy. 
God is holy, and because of that, we need to fear Him. You know why kids often don't fear their parents? Because their parents aren't holy. Their parents often throw out threats that they don't back up. They'll say, hey, if you do that again, you're getting spanked. And you know what? Kids don't get scared by that. You know why? Because mom and dad tells us these things all the time and they never do it. And because, because your parent, the parents are not holy, kids do not fear them. But guess what? God doesn't just throw out idle threats. God is going to go through what He said He's going to go through with. And because of that, we ought to fear Him. The holiness of God is one of the main reasons that we should fear Him. But many people, they, they, they don't, they're, they're denying that. We see our God is forgiving, but we must ask for that forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9, if we, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've got to ask for that forgiveness. Turn over to uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. says right here, it says, because not only do we have to ask for this forgiveness, okay, you actually have to mean it. Okay, I'm sure we've all been there before where our parents told us to go apologize to one of our siblings. Anybody's parents ever do that to them, make us make, go apologize? I used to, have to do that all the time. And I would often apologize, and I, and I would do it this way too sometimes, and it, would, and it wouldn't work. Where you know they'd be like, "Go apologize to your sister," and I just go over there, sorry, you know, like that. And my parents would get aggravated by it, and they would they would make me say it like I meant it. And they knew I didn't mean it, but they would make me say it like I meant it. <laughs> and then sometimes I would get overly dramatic, then I get in trouble for being a smart aleck, you know, and just you know, couldn't win. I wasn't a perfect child, I was, you know, but it wasn't my fault. I had four sisters, so no no brothers, so I, I get I, I should have got a pass. But anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> Just kidding there. But no, we actually have to mean it. God knows our and God knows our heart. And you know, you might be able to fool your parents, but you're not gonna be able to fool God. Look what it says in Romans ten nine. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich in all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay? And it says right there, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know what? There's Catholics that call on the Lord every time they go to Mass. Okay? But one thing that they're not doing, one, they're not trusting in the work of Jesus Christ to give to heaven. They're just doing vain, repetitious prayers. They don't mean these things in their heart. And you know what? I do. I believe in easy believism. I believe that a person can get saved just by believing on Christ without repenting of their sins. I absolutely believe that 100%. But you know what? If a person just says a prayer and they don't mean it in their heart, they don't get saved. They do need to mean it in their heart. They really do need to believe it. They can't just say it thinking, I'll just say it and, you know, yeah, I don't mean it, but just in case it's right, I'll go ahead and do it and then God will have to let me into heaven. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. And one thing I always tell people whenever I go through the plan of salvation with them, 
you know, and, and they say that they want to pray and call on the Lord, one of the things I always tell them, hey, this prayer, it's not magic words. You got to mean it in your heart. And there's been times before where I've get, I've went through the whole thing with people, and they're like, yeah, I want to pray, and I just I felt like it's like I don't think they get this. And I and I've almost I've practically tried to talk them out of praying before, you know. And sometimes sometimes I talk them out of it real easy. Well, you know what? If a person really believed that if they called on the Lord they'd be saved, I wouldn't be able to talk them out of it. But the truth is, a lot of these people, you know, there, there's been a few times though when they're like, "No, I, I want to do it." They'll they'll insist on doing it. But I I want to emphasize that hey, you got to mean in your heart. God sees your heart. I can't see your heart. It'd be real easy to convince me or say, but you know what? Don't fear me. You need to fear God. He sees your heart. And if you're going to call on Him, you better mean it with your heart because He can tell. He can see it. And you better, and we do, we need to fear God because He is, He's holy. And that ought to strike fear in our hearts. That ought to cause us to be concerned about our sin. And it ought to cause us to call on the Lord for salvation. Salvation. And that's the other thing too where Pastor Trendy's doing a disservice to the people in this church. If we're not preaching on sin, okay, and, I, and, and not just to, you know, everybody's got this down. And I, I see this all the time when I'm giving people the Gospel. You know, most churches tell people that they're a sinner. But they do it like this. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. You know, we're, we're just all sinful. And they make it act like no big deal. You know, yeah, yeah, we're all sinners, so you know who really cares? Nobody's perfect, right? All that's true. Okay? When we say we're all sinners, nobody's perfect, that's all true, but they have this flippant attitude about it, like who cares? You know? Yeah, no big deal. Ah, sin's a sin, one sin's just as bad as any other sin, you know. And it's like they say it in a way that almost makes people feel good about it. I mean, that's how a lot of people, when these guys preach on sin, people don't leave the service convicted and feeling bad. No, they leave the service feeling good. The one thing that, too, you know, these trendy pastors are great at it, and people love it, is getting up and talking about how sorry they are. And, man, people just love hearing that. Because it's like, you know, here you have this nice, sweet guy up there just talking about how wicked he is. And it makes them feel good because, man, you know, yeah, so, you know, if he's that bad, you know, it's obviously no, no big deal being bad. Hey, when we're talking about how we're wicked, we ought to be letting people know that's a problem. That's something we ought to be ashamed of. That's something that we ought to be scared of. And we need to fear our God. But they do it in a way where verbally the things that they're saying are true, but they do it in a way that... It doesn't bring any conviction. People don't feel bad about it. And we ought to feel bad about it. Why? Because our God is holy and we ought to fear Him. And so, look what it says in Psalms 36. Psalm 36, verse 1. And the truth is, and we saw over and over again in the Old Testament, if we fear Him, we'll keep His commandments. Okay? No, we don't keep His commandments to be saved. Or to say, stay safe. But because, because we fear Him. We still need to fear God even though we're safe. It says in Psalm 36, 1, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, 
that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. That, my friends, is your typical emergent church type, you know, just skinny jeans pastor. They don't hate evil. They'll get up and they'll say all the stuff about how, yeah, we're all sinful. They'll say that, but there is no hatred of evil. I mean, these guys, they won't even bash murderers. They won't even bash homos. I mean, you take the worst of our society and they won't bash them. They won't get angry about it. They don't get angry about divorce. They don't get angry about perversion. They don't get angry about fornication. They don't get, they don't get angry about any of these things. This stuff doesn't bother them at all. But you know what they're doing? They're, just, they're actually being flattering in the way they talk. They are. They're, what is it to flatter somebody? You know, it's just trying to build somebody up, make somebody feel good, just lifting them up with compliments. These guys are so deceptive, they're so tricky, they know how to get up and talk about how sorry and how wicked we all are and make people feel good about it. I mean, you should... I, I watch some of these guys' stuff. I, I study the enemy, folks. I study the enemy. And it is amazing how they do this. And I've watched these guys get up dressed like a homo, and they're preaching in their church in their skinny jeans, and they are. They're talking about how we're all sinners and making everybody feel great. It's incredible. How can you talk about being a sinner and make people feel good? They have figured out how to do it. You know what? Their words of their mouth are iniquity and deceit. They're tricky. these, These are sly devils. They are snakes. And they're people that need to be called out and exposed. Because this is, this is, this is a wicked, wicked teaching. And the truth is, and you go, you go to these churches too, and they love talking about grace. I mean, it's amazing how they've homoed, homoed up grace. You know, it's just, it, it makes me sick listening to these guys talk about grace. You take something as wonderful as grace, and these guys have perverted it. They have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness in the way that they preach. And you listen to this junk, and it just... They, one thing you'll find out, these guys, they don't, keep, they, they don't keep the commandments of God. They don't follow God, law of God. They take advantage of the fact that we're under grace, and they, just, they do all these things that displease the Lord. Things that He has commanded us not to do. They do this junk and they promote it in their churches. How do they get away with it? They are, they're, they're tricky. They're deceitful. They devise mischief upon their bed. How do they come up with this stuff? They lay awake at night thinking, how can we deceive? How can we get this stuff across? And they do it. But if we fear God, even as believers, if we fear God, we're going to keep His commandments. Hebrews 12.6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom his father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So, right there we see God's telling us, hey, God's going to deal with His children. He's going to punish His children. 
Well, what for? I thought we were under grace. We are under grace. But you know what? We're still supposed to keep the commandments of God. Yes, we're still going to go to heaven even if we break one of God's commandments. But we're, the Bible doesn't say we're not going to get chastised here on this earth. And we're going to get chastised on this earth. And so we better obey the commandments of God. And if we fear Him, we will do that. Why would God punish His children? Because He's holy. Because He is holy. And we need to fear Him. And But unfortunately, the, our, the, the world and these so-called Christians, they don't fear God. And so just like that child obeys their parents out of fear in the early years, but later through knowledge, okay, I don't obey the commandment, the, the things that my parents taught me, I don't obey them anymore because of fear of my parents. You know, my dad's not even going to try to spank me. My mom's not going to try to spank me. Uh, I, I don't do it out of fear of those things. But I will tell you that there are times, even if I am tempted, I think about the commands of my parents. I think about the threats. My dad always told me if I ever, when I took guitar lessons, if I ever played rock music, he was going to break the guitar over my head. Uh, now, do I think he'd actually do it? He might. He, he might. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's not my motivation for why I don't play rock music. Alright? One of the reasons I ain't going to dress like a freak. But anyway, no. But uh, it's, it's a fear of God. They did put a fear of God in me. I do have that. And while there's... And there, but many of the things that I still follow today, I used to follow those things just out of fear. But you know what? Now I have knowledge. Now I understand why. Hey, I get why my parents had these rules. I get why they had this commandment and that commandment. Proverbs uh, 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. When we follow the things of God, when we are obedient to the, to the commands of God, then we will understand these things. Many people today, they're like in transgression, and they'll say, well, I'll start obeying the Bible when I understand it. No. You obey the Bible, and then eventually you'll understand it. You don't wait until you understand something to start obeying it. If you see something in the Bible, and you don't get it, you don't agree with it, or whatever, you say, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway, just because I fear God. Your kids, 99% of the time when you give them a command at home, and they obey you, it wasn't because they agreed with you. It was because they feared you. And that's okay. Eventually, they'll learn. Eventually, they'll understand. But our God is not to be feared just because of His power. Okay? And our God has a lot of power. Okay? We read those stories in the Bible, how He'd open the ground up and swallow people. And I love those stories. I think that's great. You know, I'm not just scared of him because he's able to speak this universe into existence. But the main reason I need to be scared of him is because of his holiness. That hey, God is he's bound to his holiness. He's stuck with his holiness. He always has been holy, he always will be holy. You know what that means? That means I'm not getting away with anything. That means God is going to keep His promise no matter what. That means for a lost person, 
if they don't get if they don't believe on Christ, they're going to go to hell. They might think, well, when I get there on Judgment Day, I'll negotiate with them and I'll get them to let me in. Well, I'm sorry, but he's holy, and he can't go back on that, and he never will go back on that. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to sin. Because our God is holy, that right there ought to cause us to fear. That should scare those who are sinful. Even saved people we ought to be scared. We read that passage in Hebrews. God made a big promise in there. He said, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth, and scourgeth every son we receiveth. So that means he just he made a big promise there. And you know what? God wants to prove he loves me. Well, you know what that means? That means if I mess up, he has to chasten me. Lord, why do you have to do that? Hey, I said I love I chasten those that I love, and I want to prove I love you. You know, can you just skip this one time? No, he's holy. He's he's going to do it. He's going to back those things up. And thankfully, he is all he's loving and he's forgiving, but there's only one way to get that love and forgiveness, and that's through his son Jesus Christ. And these people out there that don't like that, they don't like the idea of just Jesus only salvation. I'm sorry, God's holy. He can't go back on that. Jesus Christ is the only one that lived the perfect life. He's the only one that died died for sin. The only one that was able to make an acceptable payment for for sin. Therefore, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. And no amount of protesting, no amount of calling God bigoted is going to change the fact that that is the only way and so, our God is to be feared because He's holy. Our God has a great and terrible name because He is holy. And that is one of the main things that we need to remember about our God. One of the main attributes about the name of God and why His name is so terrible and to be feared is because He is holy. And if anybody ever wants to mock you, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're scared of God. You better believe I am. Why? Because our God is a terrible God. People might take that the wrong way. But it's just... He is to be feared because He's holy. And that right there, when we, when we emphasize that, when we show that, that is a big reminder to people that you're sinful. And as terrible as our God is, and as holy as He is, thankfully, He made a way of forgiveness. He made a way to show mercy, and that is through Jesus Christ and only Him. So, with that, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You for sending Your Son to die for us. And I pray You'll help us to reverence Your great and terrible name. Lord, I pray that You'll help us in our daily lives to constantly have You in our thoughts. And any time we're tempted to do something that's sinful, Lord, help us to remember Your holiness and remember Your great and terrible name. And that it will it will cause us to uh, not do whatever it was we were thinking about doing. I pray you help us to proclaim this to the world, so they will see their need for a savior. In your name, we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's turn to page five hundred and forty. I don't know if you all know this one. I, I like this song. Let's try it out. Page five hundred forty. For me to live is Christ.